I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Some true crime stories defy description. Some true crime stories strain believability to breaking point. Con Girl is one of those stories. Samantha Azapardi is widely regarded as Australia's greatest con artist, a chameleon who has roamed the world adopting new identities and performing ever more elaborate con jobs, mostly targeting women and teenage girls. It's the nature of Samantha's cons that baffles not only survivors, but police and medical professionals around the world. Samantha doesn't con people for money. She doesn't really set out to hurt anyone. Yet her cons have cost authorities more than a million dollars and left a trail of traumatised survivors. Now, those people speak out for the first time, giving extraordinary first-hand accounts of becoming entangled in Samantha as a party's web of deceit. You'll hear from detectives who found investigating Samantha Razapati to be the strangest case of their careers. A trio of experts will do a deep dive into Samantha's troubled psyche and reveal the brilliant ways she uses technology to manipulate her victims. We'll also discover how any one of us could fall victim to a con artist if the story is compelling enough. This is a sad story of lies and betrayal. A tragic story of mental illness left untreated. A terrifying tale of stolen identities and stolen children. This is Congo. first met Samantha as a party, she introduced herself to me as Anika Decker. She called herself Coco. Was calling herself Layla. Emily Escobaris. Layla Evans. Harper Hernandez. Coco Palmer. She worked for Elite Model Management based in New York. She's a gymnast with a Russian background. She sounded like the perfect au pair. She's a victim of a pedophile ring. Your parents are spies? What do they mean kidnapping? That's crazy. What is going on here? She's Australia's greatest con woman. I just couldn't believe that I could be conned so easily. All of us are susceptible to being tricked. You're never quite sure whether what you see is true or not. I've never felt more violated. I was just shaking, my heart was pounding. Were you setting us up to steal our children? A woman has been charged with stealing a baby. When you start involving children, it has the potential to become very dangerous. 
oh my God, I've just sent my daughter off with a complete bloody stranger. I just knew that I was unsafe. I'm scared out of my fucking mind. I hid one knife under a mattress. This woman's not leaving this motel room. Why does someone do this repeatedly? It's not driven by a desire for money. It's almost like an addiction. If your addiction is deception. Episode one, the GPO girl and the gymnast. On the 10th of October 2013, um, two young uniformed guards were on beat patrol on O'Connell Street, which is the main street in Dublin city centre. Would be known to most people for the GPO. They came across a young female who presented in a distressed uh, state crying and looked a little bit bewildered, as if she was lost or as if she was confused. She didn't speak, she didn't verbally communicate, but clearly presented as distressed. She indicated that she was 14 years of age, numerically with the fingers but wouldn't provide any details of herself or why she was upset, what adults was with her or, or why she was there. Fearing for the well-being of the child, they decided to invoke the Child Care Act and take her into protective custody. So we established who she was and uh, what her situation was. My name is Detective Superintendent Dave Gallagher. Back in 2013, I was a detective sergeant in Store Street Garda Station in Dublin City Centre. The young female adopted a position of um, hair over her face and sort of uh, scrunched in in a protective sort of pose. She didn't engage. She wasn't speaking. She was brought to Temple Street Children's Hospital. She was uncooperative with the medical people there with regards to examinations. She was provided with pen and paper by the police officers as she wasn't verbalising. And she, she, what she'd call doodles or some scribbles where she drew some pictures. There was a picture of an aeroplane, there was a picture of a cross, there was a picture of a, of a gun drawn. All very bizarre behaviour, but, y y you know, you don't understand whether a person has been a victim of a trauma and how they're going to respond. We had a very, very open mind, but uh, there was a lot of assumptions made in, in the media circles. Irish nurses and midwives organization. But we'll turn first to a report of a teenage girl found close to the GPO. 
perhaps this poor child was trafficked into this country as part of the sex trade. She has been drawing these pictures and I say she could be as young as 14. So that is an area of deep concern. We engaged in a significant number of, of lines of, of inquiry. We canvassed the airports for arrivals to see if any people matched our description. Care homes, doctors, mental health facilities, none of it really led anywhere. She had some orthodontic work done, braces and stuff. So we contacted dentist surgeries across the country. We managed to obtain a partial set of fingerprints from a plate that she held and circulated them internationally as well. The Irish police have spent the last few weeks liaising with authorities across Europe to try to identify the young girl. Interpol and the Missing Persons Bureau have been involved, but to no avail. We believed release of a photograph was really our only option. We had requested a number of times, uh, could we take her photograph? She wouldn't uh, agree to posing for it. I knew I needed a photograph of her, so we engaged in, in a sort of a ploy where we moved her from one room to another, and I had one of my team there with a covert camera. In Ireland, children are protected under the Child Care Act for release of their identification, so it's not something that's done lightly. This is highly unusual. I never before had um, Garda Shikana uh, or in my time I had released a photograph of a child seeking the help of the public of who this child was. It had never happened before in Irish history. My name is David Taylor. In 2013, I was the Garda press officer, which meant I was the official Garda spokesman. Do you recognize this girl? Do you have any interactions with her? Did you pass her in a distressed state in the city centre in and around the 10th of October. I've never seen such a response to such a media repeal before. It was international media, obviously local media. The coverage was instant, it was fast, it was the top of the news. Gardaí have released a photograph of an unidentified girl who was found on O'Connell Street in Dublin last month. The teenager, believed to be just 14 or 15, was found in a distressed state, wearing a purple hoodie, dark coloured jeans and a grey woolen jumper. So within a couple of hours, that photograph was everywhere. Michael, what can you tell us about this girl? Nothing really, Jonathan. The guards don't have a clue who this girl is. Every television news all day, on every radio broadcast. I mean, you'd have to be living under a rock not to be aware of it, and you'd still be aware of it. My name's Ali Bracken, and I'm a journalist with the Sunday Independent newspaper in Dublin. I think everybody loves intrigue, and this had that in spades. There was a child who was vulnerable, who was potentially the victim of the worst kind of a crime that can be committed against a child, a crime of a sexual nature. She looked vulnerable. She looked like someone who'd been taken advantage of. And she looked like she needed our help. GPO Girl was, I think, the main headline in three or four of the newspapers. So that's what she became. Who is GPO Girl? 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Detective Superintendent Dave Gallagher again. The image and the story went worldwide. We got calls from, you know, Moldova, Bulgaria, Holland, America, um, Canada, a lot of them dead ends. We noticed a significant change as the Southern Hemisphere came awake. We were starting to get some calls in from Australia, from police stations and police officers, all saying the same name. Then we had a call from one of our own officers based in the Midlands in Ireland. He had been contacted by a relative of the young female to say who she was and that she had been staying with them in the previous number of weeks. And it was the same name that we were getting from Australia. That name was... Samantha has a party. The mystery woman was identified as 25-year-old Australian Samantha as a party after Gardy released her photograph to the public earlier this week. Reports suggest that the woman has numerous identities and is known to police in New South Wales. None of it was real. It was a complete scam. Her whole demeanour was an elaborate ruse. That's former Garda press officer, Dave Taylor. She was good. Anybody that could pull that off for a month while being in hospital, being tended to, being cared for, being asked questions, and could maintain this demeanor is somebody that has, is very good at what they do. I've never seen anything like it before or sense. 
a lot of people in Ireland over the last couple of days have been scratching their head wondering how a potentially 14-year-old child from Eastern Europe turned into a 25-year-old woman from Australia. Journalist Ali Bracken again. Nobody saw it coming and nobody could believe that, that this was the latest twist. Samantha from Oz. Uh, she's not a teenager, she's 25. Mystery girl investigation costs at least quarter of a million euros. Uh, over to the morning tabloids. Mystery Oz girl faces guard quiz. That's the sun. The Irish Daily Mirror, tormented girl. Uh, the Irish Daily Star, missing teen is convicted fraudster. I think by nature, Gardaí and, and all police forces, you know, are naturally sceptical. But this girl, sorry, woman, had completely took them in. But I think the general public, it was almost like a soap opera. You know, it was like, what's going to happen next? I was shocked to discover she was from Australia, very shocked. What perplexes me is that uh, being Australian, I presume she speaks English. Although I read on today's paper, she didn't seem to be able to communicate. So it's been a, quite a mystery for, for people. Oh, yeah, that, that's the way to put it. I had various emotions. I was delighted in one sense that the press conference had identified the person. But also I was quite angry that valuable police hours had been expended on somebody that could have been well used investigating other crimes. There was no real criminal intent in our actions. There's no end game or gain in this for Samantha. There's no profit to be made. There was no fraud. Like most frauds are with an, with an attempt to elicit cash from somebody and to, and to, to, gain, to gain money and, and, and status. That wasn't the case here. For most people, it would be abhorrent to spend four weeks not speaking, stuck in a hospital room, not engaging with any family or friends. But for Samantha, it appeared that this was part of the enjoyment of, of, of you know, as, as someone said, it, it, was, it felt like probably like her Disney World. But in the end, the right decision was made. It was not a criminal matter. They shouldn't have come into the criminal arena. The 25-year-old woman, feared to have been a teenage victim of sex trafficking, is on her way home to Australia. She left Dublin on a plane bound for Australia in the past hour. Her repatriation is being facilitated by Garthi. Who is Samantha as a party? And I think we still don't really know. All we know is that she's fooled a lot of people and she's hurt a lot of people all around the world. GPO Girl was not Samantha Azapati's first elaborate con. Two years earlier, she staged an even stranger and astonishingly detailed scam in Perth, Western Australia. That time, her bizarre behaviour would turn an innocent girl's world upside down. Yeah, I, I was devastated at the time, definitely. I was very angry and I was very betrayed. I think... When you try and do your best and you try and help people and you have it all thrown back in your face, like it is, it is heartbreaking. I think it's how you put yourself back together and move on is what is the true challenge. My name's Hope, I'm 27. I first met Samantha as a party in 2011 when I was 16.
I lived in New Zealand. I was born in a small town in Taranaki in the North Island. I homeschooled there. In 2010, we moved to Australia. I got a part-time job and started working and then came to realise that my homeschooling credits weren't recognised here. So then I needed to go back to TAFE and complete year 10. TAFE was rough for me, at least. Coming from a small town in New Zealand, I was very sheltered, it was quite naive. And I found it quite hard to make friends. I met Emily Scaveris in July 2011. I'm 16 years old and Emily's the first friend I make at TAFE. She's a gymnast with a Russian background and at the time apparently she was the number one under 16 world champion. Emily has a Facebook fan page for her gymnastics she has quite a few likes and she has a lot of photos. It was incredible. But at the same time, she was down to earth and just seemed like a really nice person. I think at some point I brought her home to meet my family and after that we started hanging out at my house quite a lot. In fact, she used to stay at our house fairly often. My brothers treated her like she was another annoying sister, which I guess, in a way, she probably was. Emily's parents were separated. She had a twin sister, Chloe, and her mum moved to France with Chloe to live with the grandparents. She said her dad at the time was an Interpol officer living in Sydney. I never really felt like anything was off with her stories. I think kids have a way of exaggerating their stories to make them seem better. And when you're trying to impress someone that you've just met, why wouldn't you exaggerate slightly? So around Christmas time, Emily's parents, they wanted to get together as a family, even though they'd been separated for a while now. So they'd all decided to go to France for Christmas. So Emily went to Paris on December the 16th to see her family. Not long after, I saw a post on her Facebook gymnast page. I believe it was a friend of the family who posted a link to an article. The article stated that her parents had passed away in a double murder suicide, with her dad killing her twin sister, mother, and then himself. We were shocked. We found out that she discovered the bodies. And I remember being gobsmacked, like, her family's gone. Like, you want to help her? She was 15. But it's hard to know what to say to someone when they're going through things like that. 
Emily's family have a family friend who is a judge in America. Emily goes to Florida to be with the judge until the police finalise their investigation. While Emily was in Florida, I know my mum and her exchanged quite a few messages. As it progressed, my parents made the decision to offer to adopt her and make her part of our family. Mum and Dad were already treating Emily like one of their own kids. It doesn't surprise me at all that even though my parents already had four kids at home, they were willing to take on my best friend. So my mum and the judge in Florida exchanged a lot of emails. They started going through the adoption process. He sent her a bunch of forms that she had to fill out and get back to him. And then Emily came back to Perth. I was excited to have a sister finally. That was also my best friend. It was strange though. A few months after Emily came to live with us, she went to the city to see a lawyer. She came home and told me that she thinks he's her biological dad. She said that he was a sperm donor and that's how she and Chloe were both conceived. She, she definitely made it seem plausible, but I remember at the time thinking it didn't quite make sense to me. At this point, Emily wasn't going to TAFE anymore. My mum had contacted the local high school to see if she could get her enrolled. The school takes Emily on because they know our family, but eventually they do need a birth certificate to prove her identity. Emily takes her birth certificate into Garawain Senior High School. But the school secretary calls my dad and says there's a problem. They think it's been forged. Next time on Con Girl. It was this elaborate lie. I was heartbroken. She is clearly incredibly gifted. I was like, your parents are spies? When people find a story compelling, they let down their guard. She said, the people that have been after me my whole life, they'll find you. I'm scared out of my fucking mind. 